would go in your Bible to Judges chapter 5. Puede tomar su lugar. Vamos a ir a Jueces capítulo 5. Pardon, chapter 6. Perdón, el capítulo 6 de Jueces. Judges chapter 6. Continuing our study on the book of Judges. And uh, we want to pray tonight for all of our church families. So many of us are out sick this week. And uh, they decided not to bring it to church, so that's all right with us, right? But we will pray for them. And uh, hopefully all of you are feeling well. I know that it's been going around. But um, we look forward to a great weekend this weekend at the Expand Conference. Uh, make plans to be here Friday night at 7. Saturday night at 7, and then Sunday on our regular schedule. And all leaders and volunteers, Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Esta semana, fin de semana, tenemos nuestra campaña, así que haga planes estar aquí el uh, día uh, viernes a las 7, sábado a las 7, y a la vez al domingo mi, la, la agenda de uh, normal. Pero vamos a estar todos los líderes y voluntarios aquí sábado durante el día desde las 9 de la mañana, así que haga sus planes de estar uh, en esta conferencia. I want to ask you for special prayer. We're doing something new uh, this year. We have added a Friday morning program. Este año estamos haciendo algo nuevo y es un programa que se está llevando a cabo el viernes en la mañana de la conferencia. Uh, this is called a pastor school and um, We will be having pastors and leaders from other churches coming and uh, learning in a just about all-day seminar. We'll see how long I can go. Um, but I've been known to go eight hours teaching every once in a while at Bethel. So uh, we will give them uh, as much as they can handle. And uh, we're just going to be talking about this week what God has done uh, among those pastors, what God has done here at Kingsway, and sharing uh, the, the lessons we have learned. So uh, pray for that pray for that time that I'll be spending with those pastors and leaders from out of town and uh, that some of what God has done here will rub off on them okay um, there is a growing number of people who want to know uh, what God has done here and how he can do it in their place and so uh, we just we just know the secret of prayer and obedience right uh, so uh, we're looking forward to this weekend and I don't want you to stay home now all right this is Expand is for us. The, the other guys that come, is, that's just, uh, they're just tagging along, okay? But expand is for us. So you be sure and be here. Pastor Jacob Biswell, who you uh, have seen and heard before, operating in the prophetic ministry, he'll be here Friday night and Sunday night. And then uh, Pastor J.R. Rodriguez will be here Saturday night of the uh, camp meeting. So that's going to be a great time. On Saturday morning, we'll be hearing from Jacob Maum, who is a... Uh, a great voice in the, in the uh, church as to helping the church innovate and being more creative in reaching people. So uh, it's going to be a wonderful time. God's doing a great thing, and he's doing it through you, right? So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Have you found Judges yet? All right, Judges chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to read the first six verses. Judges chapter 6. We're continuing our study in the book of Judges. And this is now the fourth cycle. All right, four of seven. So we're, we're halfway 
through the cycles of Judges. Chapter 6, verse 1. Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. What do we learn from history? Let's try again. What do we learn from history? Nothing, unfortunately. The power of Midian prevailed against Israel because of Midian, the sons of Israel, made for themselves dens which were in the mountains and the caves and the strongholds. For it was when Israel was, had sown that the Midianites would come up with the Amalekites and the sons of the east and go against them. So they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no substance in Israel as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents. And they would come in like locusts for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable. They came into the land to devastate it. So Israel was brought very low because of Midian. And the sons of Israel cried to the Lord. Father, we come before you tonight and I pray that you would come and speak to us by the power of the Holy Spirit through this inspired word. I pray that you would use me to teach the word of God tonight. I pray as well that you would anoint the hearing of this audience, that as they hear the word, they might receive it as seed sown into their fertile hearts. I pray that what we learn tonight, we would be able to use not only in our own life, but to minister to someone else. And I pray this in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. 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 Tonight we're going to talk about pain. All right. Vamos a hablar esta noche sobre el dolor. And this is an important topic uh, we're going to look at, and I'm going to I'm going to title this Gideon, the comeback man. All right, how many of you could use a comeback every once in a while? Well, I want to give you some tips on how to come back. And I think it was Bill Clinton back in the '90s running for president. They called him the comeback kid. He just came out of uh, nowhere and uh, was elected president. So uh, every once in a while, life will knock you down, and you have an opportunity for a comeback. Or you have an opportunity for total defeat. I believe God wants you to be uh, one who rises out of, out of pain and out of trouble. Now, I'm going to teach it from two perspectives. At least I want you to hear it from two perspectives tonight. Number one, I, wanted, I want those of you who are going through pain and hurt in your life to listen and to receive this as medicine for your soul. All right? Number two, if you, are, uh, if you know somebody that's going through pain... I want you to learn this so that you can go and teach them how to get out of a cycle. All right, can you do that? Okay, so I want to equip you for ministry tonight. And we're not going to go through this entire, entire chapter. There's far too much to do uh, in, in the life of Gideon. So we're going to deal with Gideon for the most part in the next lesson. But I just want to set up for us what is going on. This is now the fourth cycle. You know the cycle, but I'm going to repeat it for you. At the top of the cycle, Israel is serving the Lord. And while they're serving the Lord, they experience the blessing of God. Israel está ahora en el cuarto ciclo. Están sobre el ciclo y están adorando y sirviendo a Dios. And for 40 years, they enjoy the blessing of God. 40 years is a good long time, right? 40 years of blessing is a good long time. But then they forgot the Lord. 40 años tuvieron la bendición de Dios. Y luego se les olvidó a Jehová. 
And they went down the cycle, and they ended up becoming slaves to a foreign power. Now they're at the bottom of the cycle. Ahora están abajo en el ciclo y han llegado a ser esclavos de una tierra foránea. In this case, the foreign power is called Midian. En este caso, es la tierra de Midian. All right, and the word Midian means strife. La palabra Midian significa uh, tribulación o Alguien que está siempre provocando. When you think of strife, you think of someone or something that is constantly provoking you. And strife is like a bully. It's not a one-time assault. It is every day, right? Cuando usted ve a Median, ve un enemigo que está siempre provocando. Siempre provocando. Constant provocation. Constant irritation. And... Uh, this was the worst of Israel's enemies thus far. And in, in Israel's had some pretty bad enemies so far. D don't you remember? The, the last enemy they had was Sis uh, Sisera, and he had 900 chariots of iron. El último enemigo que tuvo Israel era, si, uh, era uno que tenía 900 carros de a caballo de hierro. He was a, a force to be reckoned with. But Midian, the Bible says, were like locusts. Median, dice la escritura, que era como las, um, how, how do you say locusts? Because someone remind me in Spanish. Langosta. I, I was going to say langosta, but I thought that was a crab or a lobster. <laughs> es langosta. Yeah, a locust. La langosta es, uh, what's, a, what's a grasshopper? Como grillos. La langosta es como un grillo? No, camarón, no. Es un insecto que se come la, la labor. Langosta, langosta. Dice que Median, now that we've had our Spanish lesson for tonight, uh, Median entraba como langostas y se comía todo, barría con todo. Median would come in like, a, like locusts, and if you don't know about locusts, locusts are, are basically uh, grasshoppers on steroids, right? And they come in... And like a dark cloud, they just consume everything. Imagine an enemy that comes in like locusts. Doesn't just steal your big screen TV, but your stove and your refrigerator and everything in the refrigerator and your microwave and the art on the wall and the little nail that you hung it on. I mean, everything. Este enemigo entraba y se robaba todo. La comida, el refrigerador, el microondas, el horno, uh, se robaba el fuego y el carbón y las mechas. Todo se llevaba. And he did it every year, season after season. Lo hacía vez tras vez. And Israel, the Bible says in verse 6, was brought very low. Israel dice la escritura que fue traído muy abajo. Have you ever been brought very low? It is a terrible place to be. You might be brought low emotionally to thinking that you're nothing. You might be brought low financially to having nothing. You might be brought low relationally to having nobody. Israel was brought very low. Israel fue traído muy hacia abajo. 
Because this enemy came in and did three things. Este enemigo trajo tres cosas, hizo tres cosas. Number one, it invaded. Número uno, invadía. Verse five says that this enemy would come and set up tents. They would literally set up camp and eat everything and then go. They invaded the land of Israel to the extent that Israel, the Israelites, would go and hide in caves. This is God's people. And they would go and hide in caves, and they made for themselves dens in the, in the rocks, in the mountains, in order to escape the Midianites. Israel iba y se escondía en cuevas. You think that's God's will for them? You think that's God's will for us? No. But they had sinned against the Lord. This enemy came in against them. And it invaded the land. The next thing the enemy did was it oppressed them. El enemigo no solamente invadía, que hasta las cuevas los llevó, pero también este enemigo los oprimía. This enemy oppressed them. And oppression is bondage without chains. La opresión es atadura sin cadenas. You can be oppressed uh, without being in, in, a, in a prison cell. Some people live in the prison of fear. Others live in the pre prison of anxiety or the prison of depression or the pr prison of discouragement or the prison of yesterday and the mistakes of the past. And, and this is a work of the kingdom of darkness. This is the work of the devil. Este es el trabajo del diablo, traer opresión sobre las vidas de las personas. How many of you know somebody that's oppressed? I think we all do. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with that. Number three, the Midianites would bring impoverishment. They would bring poverty. Los Medianitas número tres traían la pobreza. Se llevaban la riqueza de Israel y dejaban pobreza. They would take Israel's riches and leave only poverty. Look at verse four and verse six. It says, so they would camp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, leaving how much? Nothing. No substance in Israel, as well as no sheep, ox, or donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, and they would come in like locusts for number. Both they and their camels were innumerable, and they came into the land to do what? To devastate it, to destroy it. Venían y eh, traían pobreza a Israel, se comían todo, no dejaban nada. Y esta era la condición de Israel. This was Israel's condition. Now here's what I want you to see tonight. What Israel is in this physical picture that the Bible is painting for us, many people are spiritually. Lo que Israel es en el retrato físico, en esta historia, muchas personas son in lo, in lo espiritual. In fact, every person is born in, this, in these three conditions. Cualquier persona nace en estas tres condiciones. When you were born, when you and I are born, we're born uh, alienated from God. Nosotros cuando nacimos, las, nacimos lejos de Dios because we were born into sin. Porque nacimos en el pecado. What does that mean? That we live with an invading force on the inside of us called sin. Vivemos con una fuerza que ha invadido nuestra vida llamada el pecado. Don't ever, don't ever uh, kid yourself. You and I have been invaded by an, an, a foreign force called sin. Sin is not 
what God intended for the human heart. Say amen. Sin is not what God intended for the human heart. It is, a, it is an outside enemy that has come in because of sin. Then sin oppresses. The enemy brings oppression. And he brings darkness of any form or any kind. And then sin brings poverty. And, and you, can, you can have all kinds of wealth and be completely poor spiritually if you don't know Christ. You know that, right? You can have a, a po- an impoverished mind, a poor mind, a poor spirit if you don't know Christ. And that's the condition that man is in. So Israel is pretty messed up. Everybody met somebody that was messed up? Have you ever been messed up? Yeah. That's why you guys are here tonight, because Jesus found us when we were messed up, didn't he? Aren't you glad he loves messed up people? Jesus loves messed up people. Because you can be rich and messed up, you can be poor and messed up. You can be smart and messed up, you can be dumb or ignorant and messed up. And the enemy, when he comes in, what does the Bible say? Jesus told us in John 10, he said, The thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesús dijo, El enemigo vino solo, solo para hurtar, matar, y destruir. Israel goes for seven years like this. Seven years of pain. Siete años. Israel pasa por esto. Siete años de dolor. And this is what I want to get to tonight. That whenever there is pain in your life or defeat in some way or disappointment, esto es lo que queremos llegar esta noche, es cuando hay dolor o hay desánimo en tu vida, el enemigo trae una mentira para añadir a ese dolor. Whenever there is pain, I want you to write this down if you have um, the ability to do so. If not, just remember it real clear, all right? When, the, when, when you experience pain, defeat, or disappointment in your life, be prepared for the hurt whisperer. Now, that's a, a name that Pastor Jimmy Evans gave the devil, so we're just going to use it. All right, the hurt whisperer. Let me say that again. When you experience pain and ever, defeat, ever experience pain, Anybody ever experienced pain? This is an awesome church. No one's ever experienced pain. I don't mean just physical pain, but, you know, in your, in your inner man. Emotional pain, yeah? Ever experienced defeat? Di- disappointment? Don't say amen so enthusiastically, all right? <laughs> but just say amen. We've all been there. <laughs> Cuando usted experimenta el dolor emocional o físico o espiritual o un fracaso, una derrota, el enemigo siempre trae una mentira. Now listen, let me complete this for you. When you experience pain, defeat, or disappointment in your life, be prepared for the hurt whisperer. Satan will come and attach a lie or lies to your pain. Satan will come and attach a lie or lies to your pain. Cuando usted pasa por dolor o pasa por una, uh, un fracaso o una derrota, el enemigo viene y añade una mentira 
al dolor. Now, what do you and I have to do? We have to start paying attention. All right, we have to start uh, being aware of what is going on. I'm going to just use a little illustration tonight because I think this is a sound we're all familiar with. But when you experience pain in your life, you will get a message. Is that your text message sound? That's the sound I hear when I get a text message. So let's say you just experienced pain. Right after the pain, the enemy sends you a message. Este, este sonido es cuando usted recibe un mensaje por texto. ¿Cuánto lo han oído? Bueno, cuando usted experimenta dolor o fracaso, va a oír. Y usted va a decir, alguien me mandó un mensaje. You're going to say, someone sent me a message. And you read that message, and let's say that you just got fired. God forbid, not you, but somebody that didn't come tonight. Vamos a decir que lo acaban de desocupar del trabajo. That can be painful, right? And you're driving home. And you get a message from the pain whisperer. Lo acaban de desocupar. Usted va, usted va a la casa. Recibe un mensaje y dice, a ver, ¿quién me mandó el mensaje? Y el mensaje dice, this is what the message says. You're never going to get a job again in your life. You don't have the right skills. Can't keep a job. Ever heard this voice? ¿Cuántos han oído esa voz que le dice, nunca te van a ocupar otra vez en tu vida? Y vas a empobrecer. You're going to be poor. And you're going to be broke. You've heard this voice, haven't you? Your family is never getting out of the rut. Nunca vas a salir de este problema. Now, the reality is all you did was lose a job. Doesn't mean that no one will ever hire you again, ever in all of your life. But the hurt whisperer comes and says, why? Because you just experienced pain. So he wants to add a lie to your pain. Usted acaba de recibir algo doloroso. Él quiere añadir a ese dolor una mentira. So let's say that a relationship in your life ends. Maybe as far as a divorce. And now you're, you're dealing with that. Now he's going to blow up your phone. Alguien quizá experimentó el dolor del divorcio. O la, el rechazo de un ser querido. Y usted recibió el mensaje. Nadie jamás te va a amar a ti. No one will ever love you. You've heard this voice, haven't you? No one will ever be happy with you. You will never measure up. Jamás vas a tener nadie en tu vida que te quiera como eres. Ese es el trabajo del enemigo. That is how the enemy works. When you have pain, listen for it. 
any kind of pain. Cuando usted experimenta dolor, va a oír esto. Va a oír el enemigo queriendo meterse, añadir una mentira. Why does he want to do that? Here's why. Because if he can get between you and God with that lie, he'll turn that pain into a cycle. Si el enemigo puede meterse con una mentira entre usted y Dios, él ahora puede usar ese dolor para meterlo en el ciclo. Now, I want you to notice what happens. We just saw all that Midian did to Israel for seven years. Now, let's go and look at Gideon. Gideon is the man that God is going to use to overcome uh, this, this enemy. But look at verse 11. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat uh, under the oak that was in Orpha, which belongs to Joas the Abizrite, and his son Gideon was beating out wheat in a wine press in order to save it from the Midianites. Now listen, uh, maybe you guys, we have never um, separated wheat or pressed wine, but let me just explain this to you. When you separate wheat in the ancient days, you'd go to a hilltop, okay? And you would take the wheat and throw it up so that the wind that was coming over that hill would take out the chaff and leave the wheat behind. So you separate wheat in a high place and you press wine in a low place down at the bottom of the valley. Para separar el trigo, se iban a una loma, un lugar alto, tiraban el trigo, trigo hacia arriba, y luego con el viento que pasaba, el viento se llevaba uh, la hojarasca uh, uh, y dejaba el trigo. Pero aquí vemos a Gedeón. Here we see uh, Gideon. He is doing a high task in a low place. He is separating wheat in a wine press. He's hiding out. Aquí vemos a, a Gedeón y él está separando trigo, un trabajo alto en un lugar bajo. Está escondiendo. It's very hard to separate wheat in that kind of setting, but this is what his, his enemy has brought him to. And I want you to see this in, in Gideon. His mindset is now a low one. La mentalidad ahora de Gedeón es que él está en un lugar bajo. He's gotten so many pings that he's begun to believe that this is where he belongs. Él ha recibido tantos mensajes a través del dolor que hay en su vida que él comienza a pensar, este es el lugar donde yo me voy a quedar para siempre. And then the scripture says, and we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read over verse 12 quickly, but I'll come back to it. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O valiant warrior. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us. What did he say? If the Lord is with us. If the Lord is with us. Dice Gedeón, 
Si sí, Jehová está con nosotros. Does that sound like an overcoming, overconfident man of faith and power? Si sí, Jehová está con nosotros. You see, he's gotten so many messages that his, his view of God has been reduced to nothing. And this is the enemy's goal. If he can get you to believe a lie along with your pain, he will push you further and further from God. Si el enemigo puede causar que tú pienses o, o que tú creas una mentira con tu dolor, él te va empujando más y más y más de Dios. He says, if the Lord is with us, Why then has this happened to us? ¿Por qué me ha pasado esto? Again, remember when I told you about the poverty spirit? The poverty spirit always thinks that things happen to me. Recuerdan que les dije que el espíritu de, po el espíritu de pobreza piensa así, esto me pasó a mí. This happened to me. Gideon's old enough to know why. Israel is in this condition. And he's old enough to have experienced the blessing. But he has come under this mindset. The pain he's in has caused him to redefine the reality of his life. El dolor que él está experimentando ahora le causa a, a dudar si Dios está ahí o no. Y dice, ¿por qué nos ha pasado esto? ¿Y dónde están los milagros? Where are the miracles? Where is God's power? Which our fathers told us about saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has what? The Lord has what? He said, The Lord has abandoned us, forsaken us, and given us into the hand of Midian. Now, I want you to see there what has happened to his mindset. He has, get, he's taken on the condition of being in a low place, and he has the mindset of thinking that this has happened to me, and the Lord has abandoned us. And then in verse 15, he says, how can I do anything about this? That's the result of pain when it is not dealt with God's way. Este es el resultado del dolor cuando el dolor no se, no se sana conforme Dios quiere sanarlo. Este es el resultado. Nuestra mentalidad llega a ser una baja. Llegamos a pensar yo no puedo. Llegamos a pensar Dios no me puede usar. Y llegamos a pensar Dios me ha abandonado. Estoy solo en este mundo sin ayuda, sin esperanza, sin recursos. How many of you know people like that? Everybody does. Here's the deal. When people experience pain or disappointment or defeat, and this is the reality, life is going to bring you pain and disappointment and defeat. If you live 70 years, you're going to have your share of it. 80 years, 90, however long you live, you're going to experience some pain, some disappointment, and some defeat. Even people who never leave the house experience that, don't they? 
Si usted vive cualquier vida que usted viva, va a experimentar el dolor, el fracaso o eh, algún desánimo. Es la naturaleza, es human nature. But here's the thing, if we don't deal with it right, God's way, the enemy uses it to get us into the cycle. Here's the thing, though. I want you to see it this way, that pain is actually a door to get out of the cycle. El dolor en actualidad es una puerta para salir de un ciclo de, de maldición. How many of you have ever come out stronger through pain? Everybody has. You know, the Bible says that the Lord will turn the valley of Achor, which means defeat, into a doorway of hope. Dice la Escritura que Jehová tornará el valle de Acor, que significa de, de, derrota, y lo hará un valle, una puerta de esperanza. God will take your valley and make it a door toward victory. But the enemy will take your valley and make it an off-ramp onto the cycle. El enemigo va a tomar tu problema y te va a hacer un camino para que regreses al ciclo. Are you following me tonight? Stick real close to me, all right? You're going to have to listen to this podcast a, a couple more times. Because this is probably the most important message in this entire series. This is the enemy's key strategy. Este es, el, este es el, el, la táctica mejor usada por el enemigo. Let me just explain this to you. You have a death in the family. We've all experienced that. And if you haven't, someday you will. The enemy will come in. He'll say, it's never going to be the same. That void's never going to be filled. You're always going to miss that particular person. And that those aspects of that are true. But the aspect of it that brings loneliness and despair and the sense of no hope is not of God. And yet the enemy will use that to get you back in the cycle. And I bet if you start thinking about your life, you will think there have been moments of pain where you got the door out and there have been other moments of pain where you got into the spin and it trapped you again. Gideon is in pain. All of Israel is in pain. But their pain is the only thing that will remind them of God. Their trial is the only thing that's going to get them out of this trouble that they're, that they're in. Because the real trouble with Israel isn't Midian. The trouble with Israel is Israel. Midian was sent in order to remind Israel that they had forgotten God. And so the enemy comes in, and when, when pain comes into your life, this is generally what people do. They will either medicate their pain, and people will turn to sex, drugs, food, games, money, whatever it is, to, to medicate that pain. Ever met a medicator? Una de las cosas que hacemos a veces cuando llega el dolor es medicar el dolor. Y a veces la persona lo... Lo usa con la medicina de la droga, el sexo, la fama, el dinero, el, uh, eh, la comida, lo que sea. You have, to, you have to watch out for this one, don't you? 
I don't know if y'all have ever seen the Grinch who stole Christmas, but but one of the lines he's he's eating and he says, "Am I just eating because I'm bored?" <laughs> he's medicating. He's alone. He's sad. He's discouraged. <laughs> he's mad at the world, and he's just eating. Other people turn to other things. You see, we, we, can, we can point out the alcoholic and say that's his medicine, but what's our medicine? Podemos decir, oh, el alcohólico, su medicina es el alcohol, pero ¿qué es nuestra medicina? Here's the thing. God wants to be our medicine. In fact, God is the only medicine that can cure. Dios es el único que puede ser la medicina, pero si no, si no tenemos cuidado, el dolor nos lleva a una medicina falsa. If we're not careful, pain will take us to a false medicine. And then others motivate their pain, uh, and this is through achievement, workaholism, dis just distractions from the pain, anything to keep me going. Otros usan el, la motivación para distraerse del, del dolor. Van y trabajan y trabajan y trabajan. Así hace dinero. Y uh, uh, lo que puedan hacer para llenar su día con algo, para no pensar en el problema, en el dolor que están pa pasando. This is also not God's recipe. Tampoco es no la, la forma que Dios quiere. This third one is the most dangerous. El tercero es la, la más um, peligroso. This is those who meditate their pain. Tercero, personas que meditan sobre su pecado. No, su, su, sobre su dolor. They just chew on it. Se la pasan mascando el dolor. They say, this is so bitter. Spit it out. I can't spit it out. And this, the reason I say these are the most dangerous because you know how they say it's always the quiet ones. A veces el que está meditando su dolor es el más calladito. Think about these, these incidents that occur, uh, school shootings, mass killings. Somebody who go into a nursery, uh, a kindergarten, and shoot 20 kids. You're telling me they're not medicating, motivating, or meditating some pain? Absolutely. They haven't said it to anybody. They haven't told anybody. You ask them, how are you doing? Great. Fine, I'm blessed. But they're meditating on that pain. Absalom was a form of this. If you think about Absalom, Absalom saw his father commit adultery. He saw his brother rape his, his sister. I mean, Absalom was messed up because he saw some messed up things. And instead of getting it out, talking to somebody, he went and just sat on it and chewed on it and chewed on it until he blew up and tore Israel in half in the process. Absalom era uno que meditaba su dolor. Él vio a su padre cometer adulterio Vio a su hermano abusar de su hermana. Estaba en un hogar des destruido. 
Y luego Absalón en vez de tratar con ese dolor va y ahí nomás estaba meditando hasta que explotó. Y trajo rebelión a la casa de David y destruyó a Israel por un tiempo. Porque este, esto es peligroso, es el most dangerous type. Now let me tell you, none of these three are God's way for handling pain. Nada de esto es la forma que Dios tiene para tratar con el dolor. So, if you see somebody that's medicating, I want you to, to start praying about how you can minister to them. Because there's pain back there. There's pain back there. If there if there's an addic addiction, if there's alcoholism, if there's workaholism, there's probably something in the background that's driving that. And the, the, the fact is that we will overreact sometimes when we're operating under these spirits. When somebody's operating under this, they'll overreact to things that are not really that big of a deal. But this kind of pain will cause us to overreact in, in simple situations, simple settings, because we haven't dealt with what's behind there, what's back there. And yet, we're going to see in Gideon that Jesus has a plan for pain. Say amen, church. Jesús tiene un plan para el dolor. That's the good news. Have you been through pain? Jesus has planned for pain. Well, listen, listen, now let's, let's go back up because we, we skipped a couple of verses. Verse 7 says, Now it came about when the sons of Israel cried to the Lord on the account of Midian that the Lord sent what? The Lord sent what? Let's try that again. The Lord sent what? The prophet. This is a break in the cycle. The last three cycles, the Lord raised up a judge. But in this case, he raised up a prophet. Before he raises up the judge named Gideon, he's going to raise up a prophet. The prophet doesn't have a name. But here's what I want you to know. That in order to get out of the cycle of pain, you need to get the word of God. Para salir del ciclo del dolor, tenemos que oír la palabra de Dios. Listen, it says, the Lord sent a prophet. All right, here's what I want you to do. The next time you get pain in your life, whether it's a disappointment, something in the mail you didn't expect, and you hear that, before you answer or open it, okay, you already know where it's coming from. Right, you, just, you just know, okay, the enemy is, Pastor Isaac said, he'll always send a message. He'll always send a lie. Now, here's the problem. When we hear the lie, we start running around. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. <laughs> like Chicken Little. A veces cuando llega la mentira, estamos como, como la caricatura. Se está cayendo el cielo. What you need to do is breathe a little. And say, Lord, what do you say about this? So we'll go back to the previous scenario. You got a 
You got fired from your job, and the, the message came and said, you're never going to get a job again. You're always going to be poor. You're always going to be a failure. No one's ever going to, you're never going to amount to anything. You need to stay, uh, return to sender, right? Just get on out of here. I'm going to hear what thus saith the Lord. What does God say about this? And you get in the Bible, you get in prayer, you come to church, and you wait to hear what is God saying through this. And it might be that you're like Mary C. Crowley, and uh, history tells us that Mary C. Crowley went to work on, uh, in the morning. On Monday morning, they gave her her walking papers. She left that night, and by the evening, she had uh, founded Home Interior. You guys remember in the 80s, the big home interior? That was her deal. She got fired in the morning, and she had herself a Christian company being birthed by the evening. Come on, somebody. God can turn your pain into a door. And not only did she make a whole lot of money, but uh, the college I graduated from benefited from a whole lot of the money that she made. That's how I know that story. But what if she had gone home and just sat there and said, no one's ever going to hire me again. I'm too old to start over. I'll never learn any new skills. My life is over. I'm just going to have to just sit here and do nothing. What if she had taken that mindset? The enemy would have kept her in the rut. But instead, as she's driving home, she's saying, Lord, what is this about? How do I respond to this? What do I do in this situation? What do I do in this matter? Everybody's saying people are getting laid off. What do you say about it? Come on, Kingsway. I'm giving you the tools to fight back. I said I'm giving you tools to fight back. Get a word from God. Reciba palabra de Dios cuando el enemigo venga y le diga ya no va tener éxito hasta aquí llegó usted diga del enemigo ahorita se me queda ahí yo voy a oír lo que Dios tiene que decir wouldn't it have been great if Eve when the pain whisperer came and said did God really say that if you eat of that you will die you're not going to die wouldn't it have been great if she had said return to sender Lord what did you say They're in this cycle, and the Bible said they, the Lord raised up a prophet. Now you may not have to find time. You may not have time to find a prophet. Okay, you're gonna be a long time waiting for Benny Hinn to come through town. So you gotta get the word of God. You gotta get the word of God. Now listen to this word. This, this is a three-part sermon, so I want you to know that when I preach three parts, it's biblical. All right? Verse 8, the Lord sent a prophet to the sons of Israel and said to them, point number one, thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, it was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. The first thing he does is he reminds them of his deliverance. 
Lo primero que hace el profeta es le recuerda del, de la liberación de Jehová. When the enemy pings and says, hey, you're never going to succeed at this. You're always going to be down. down. That, the doctor said he wants you to come back because there might be something he's concerned about. And you get the ping. Oh, my goodness. My great-grandmother died of this, and my grandmother nearly died of this. That probably means I'm not going to live past the weekend. You know, the enemy will just start <laughs> destroying your mind. What do you need to say? Return to sin. Well, I don't have time for that. <laughs> the Lord brought me through this once before. The Lord has brought me through something like this in the past. And start remembering what God already did. I said, start remembering what God already did. He said, it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. In other words, Midian is nothing compared to Egypt. And even Egypt could not keep you down. So remember what God has already done. Cuando el enemigo traiga la mentira, usted traiga una... Un, un, un recuerdo de lo que Dios ya hizo. When the devil tells you, you're going to die of this, you tell him, that's what you said last time. When he says, this is going to make, this is going to bring you to bankruptcy, you tell him, that's what you said last time. This is going to destroy you. You say, I doubt it, because that's what you've been saying to me since I was born, and I'm still not destroyed. I'm an overcomer in the name of Jesus, that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. We might just could have revival in here if you guys would have a little faith. Look what the Lord has done. Point number two, verse nine. I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hands of your oppressors and dispossessed them before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am the Lord your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not obeyed me. So first he reminds them of their deliverance. Then he encourages them with his presence. Says, I'm here. I'm with you. And then he charges them with his command. He says, you didn't obey me. So you need to get back on track. Start obeying me. And I'll turn this around. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Because in chapter, in verse 8, he's a prophet. But in verse 11, it's the angel of the Lord. Who's the angel of the Lord? Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. You know, if I was Jesus and I got to choose when to time travel, I wouldn't choose Judges, right? Because that's like the same old story. But the book of Judges has more appearances of Jesus than any other book prior to the gospel. God loves messed up people. <laughs> Amen. Now the angel of the Lord 
comes and who does he visit? He visits Gideon, the guy that's in the threshing floor or in the wine press uh, threshing wheat. El ángel de Jehová va y visita a Gedeón y este es el Señor Jesucristo antes de la encarnación. Él se aparece con Gedeón antes de la encarnación y comienza a hablar con él. Now look, look at how he, he talks to Gideon, verse 12. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you. Did he feel like he was? No. The Lord is with you. I want you to hear that with your heart tonight. The Lord is with you. Say it with me. The Lord, the Lord is with me. Doesn't that feel good? The Lord is with me. Jehová está contigo, le dice el ángel de Jehová a Gedeón. Jehová está contigo. Diga esta tarde, Jehová está conmigo. If the Lord is with me, then I'm not alone. Si Jehová está conmigo, no estoy solo. Aunque esté solo, no estoy solo. Though I'm alone, I'm not alone. And then he says, the Lord is with you, oh, valiant warrior. Come on now. Gideon is down there, you know, separating the wheat, making sure the Midianites aren't coming, trying to hide out. And the Lord says, the Lord is with you, oh, brave, courageous warrior. And Gideon's like, who's he talking to? You see, God saw some in Gideon that Gideon couldn't see in himself. Because Gideon had been getting those messages so long that he began to believe the lie. Dios le dice a Gideon, Dios está contigo, varón valiente. Y él acá está a las escondidas para que no lo miren. Y el Señor le llama valiente. Porque Jehová vio algo en Gideon que Gideon no se miraba, no veía en él mismo. Había creído tanta la mentira que ya no podía ver lo que él era y lo que Dios podía hacer en él. And I'm just going to summarize what Gideon says. Gideon says, look, I am the, the youngest of the family and I'm in the, he said, I'm the least of my family. I mean, my family is the least in the tribe and my tribe is the least of all tribes. In order to illustrate Gideon, I have to lie down on the floor, but I'm not going to do that. That's how he was. He said, Gedeon, yo soy el menor de mi familia. Mi familia es la menor del tribu, y mi tribu es el menor de todos los tribus. What was he saying? I am the last of the last of the last. You can't use me. A mí no me puedes usar. Yo soy el menor del menor de los melones. And God says, you're a valiant warrior, and you are going to deliver Israel. Dios le dice, vas a ser el libertador de Israel. Now we're going to pick up with Gideon next week. But I just want to leave it right there and give you this last pointer, all right? Let me, let me just point this out. Brother Josh, you come. 
You still have your pen sharpened? All right. Let me, let me tell you something about divine healing. Divine healing. There's a difference between miracle healing and divine healing. A miracle healing occurs like that in a moment. But divine healing is not just an act of God. It requires your participation. You have to agree with God. In order to be healed from pain, whatever kind of pain, you have to participate by agreeing with God. See, some people, they think, okay, Pastor Isaac's making an altar call. I'm going to come up here. God's going to zap me. Pain's going to be gone. I'm going to go home. Voila, I'm done. Does it work that way? No. Algunos piensan, yo voy a ir al altar. En un instante se va a acabar todo esto. Todo este dolor que se llevó 20 años de problemas para hacerlo. Y en un momento voy a quedar libre y voy a salir y ya no voy a tener problema. Pero la realidad es que es un es una estilo de vida. Healing is the lifestyle. That's, that's the second thing I want you to write down. Healing is the lifestyle. When you walk out of here, you've come to an altar call. You said, Lord, I believe your word. I trust what you're saying to me. And now you're going to walk home. You're going to go home. Guess what? Tomorrow morning, you got to go back to that altar. And the next morning, go back to that altar. Go back to that word. Go back to that quiet place. Go back to that place of prayer. And that, let him continually wash. Why? Because every day is an opportunity for pain and disappointment and for, uh, dis, dis, um, for defeat. But every time that that happens if you will bring it right to God and just live in a constant place of humility before God say God heal this somebody said this to me today somebody did this to me it reminded me of something in the past bring it to him you lay it at his feet it is a continuous process and this is the beauty of it all that God is so patient extremely patient that he will work with us walk with us in that process don't ever criticize anybody in their journey because you don't know what it took to get as low as they got you don't know what it's going to cost to come out but God is committed to to the comeback. I said God is committed to the comeback. And he wants to snatch victory out of the jaws of defeat. And he'll do it in every single life that will commit to that process and say, Lord, I know it's not going to happen in a day. It's not even going to happen in a month. But I'm going to walk with you. You walk with me. And we're going to see this through. And Gideon goes from being a man who's in his lowest state to being a, a warrior in God's nation. Because he, he, he let God walk him through this process. So let's sum it up like this. How do I deal with pain? Number one, you expose the lie. ¿Cómo tratamos con el dolor? Tenemos que exponer la mentira. Expose the lie. How do I do that? You get in the Word. The Word of God is a lamp unto my feet 
and the light unto my path. The lie says I'm sick. The word says I'm healed. The lie says I'm a nobody. The, lies, the, the word says I'm a child of the living God. The, words, the, the, the lie says I'm never going to be anyth- anything. The word says I am already somebody because, I am a, because I'm living in the purpose of God. Get the lights on. Get the word of God in your heart. And how, how else do you expose the lie? You're honest with God. You need to be honest with God. God never healed anybody that said, I'm not sick. Dios jamás sanó a alguien que dijo, yo no estoy enfermo. Si usted quiere salir, tiene que exponer la mentira y ser honesto con Dios. Y decir, yo estoy enfermo, yo estoy adicto a esto, yo necesito ayuda, yo quiero ser libre. Y cuando usted es honesto con Dios... When you're honest with God, he says, I am ready to receive you. And he says, I will welcome you, and you will be a son to me, and I will be a father to you. What a gracious invitation on the part of God. So number one, you expose the lie. Number two, you expel the lie. You throw it out. You cast it out. You say, I, re- I reject that. It's not true. Maybe somebody spoke that over my life. Somebody said that that's what I was. But I'm not that. I'm not a loser. I'm not a liar. I'm not a cheat. I'm not a nobody. And you begin to to expel that lie. Get it out of your heart. Get it out of your mind, out of your life. Take responsibility before God like Jacob. And if you are a liar, say, Lord, I'm a liar. And I take responsibility for that. And this is what you're going to hear, just what Jacob heard. Jacob said, my name is Jacob, which means swindle, trickster, liar. And the Lord said, your name will no longer be trickster, but prince with God. Now, there's an opportunity for God to work because he's being honest with God. He's taking responsibility. He's expelling the lie. And number three, finally, agree with God. Finalmente, ponte de acuerdo Dios. Listen, you can be in agreement with somebody else, that's powerful, but you need the two of you to get in agreement with God. To say, God, I believe you, I believe your word, I believe what Pastor Isaac said tonight, that I don't have to be a victim of my pain for the rest of my life, that I don't have to be a victim of my circumstances, that I don't have to be defined by my failures and my setbacks and my disappointments, that my pain does not have to be prince in my life, that I believe that you are prince in my life, you are power in my life, you are, pre- you are present in my life. And when you agree with God, that, that floodgate of grace and mercy will rush in and begin to work in areas and in places that, that you couldn't work in. And this is the thing. The last thing that you need to agree with God about is forgiveness. If there is pain in your life, many times there are things that you need to forgive in order to heal from that pain. And when you forgive, you're agreeing with God. And you're saying, God, I'm not going to hold that person accountable for hurting me. That's up to you. You've shown mercy to me. I'm going to show mercy. And you know what you've just done? You just ripped down every power that hell has over your life and grace and mercy can come in like a flood. Ultimo, 
cuando usted se pone de acuerdo con Dios, tiene que ponerse de acuerdo con Dios en el perdón y decir, Señor, yo perdono a las personas que me han herido porque yo creo, yo creo que tú eres misericordioso para mí, yo voy a ser misericordioso. Y cuando usted perdona, es el paso al, a curar esas heridas que hay en tu pasado. Si no hay perdón, no hay sanidad. Pero donde hay perdón, hay remedio y sanidad. Would you just stand with me? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And just right where you are, just respond to the word of God which you've heard tonight. Maybe you say, Pastor Isaac, I'm messed up. I have, I've blown it. I've made so many mistakes. I have messed up relationships in my family, in my life. I don't know, friend, but God loves messed up people. He loves you. He loves me. He loves us in our darkness, in our brokenness, in our fears, in our anxieties. But he won't leave you there. If you will open up the door of your heart to him, he'll come in. Bring healing and wholeness.